Welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast for the RBC Heritage from Harbortown 2019. This is a good show. We start off a little emotional. Tiger has won the Masters, and it went somewhere that we didn't think it was going to go. We didn't plan for it to go, but we're golf nerds at heart, and a little emoting happened here in the beginning of the show. We hope you guys are okay, and please don't mind us, and we're wiping the tears from our keyboard as we speak. But we get into Tiger, we recap the Masters, and of course we're going to give you all the love for the Heritage, including you know, our key stats, some strategy for the week. It's a pretty good field, all things considered, for the RBC Heritage. Some favorite GPP plays if you're playing DFS, some bets that we like, some cash plays, and some guys that we don't like this week for the RBC Heritage. In the chunk and run, we're going to talk a little bit about the, ma- the Masters fashion disasters, and we're going to give you some tribal knowledge at the end of the show, knowledge that only those who really pay close attention and who really know the tour junkies get to hear. That's coming up at the end for the Chunk and Run. If you're not already, please consider following us on social media. On Instagram and Twitter, at tour underscore junkies is where both of those accounts can be followed. If you follow us on Instagram, you get a good peek into the personal lives of myself and Pat. We don't do near as much content, but you get to see how stupid our lives are and how crazy we really are in person over on Instagram. Twitter is where it's at, at tour underscore junkies. Be sure and follow us if you're not already. We would appreciate it. And thanks for listening. You guys are the best. Here you go. Tiger Woods. Tiger Eldrick Taunt Woods. Tiger Mother Woods has won the Masters in 2019. Pat, are you okay? Oh, oh, Tiger Woods, the return to glory, Tiger Woods. Yes. God, I'm so excited. I just, uh. I just can't believe it, man. I just can't. I just, I just can't. I would have never thought when we started this four years ago, yeah, that we would be at this moment because at that time, he yeah. wa- he wasn't even really playing golf. Um, and two years ago, about this time, I mean, he was he was like seven hundred fiftieth in the world. Couldn't even move. He said, you know. Shanking chips and blading chips and I mean just it was it was everywhere, man. It was everywhere. The, the oh man, he was getting arrested, looking like who did it and ran in that mugshot picture he took. <laughs> who did it and ran? Yeah, I mean popping popping all kind of pills, which he may still be doing. You know, jury's still out on that. Doesn't matter. He freaking just won the 2019 Masters. The last time he won the Masters was in 2005, Pat. Um, my wife and I, Miss Domination and I, actually started dating Masters week of 2005. That we were, we were working together. I took her on our very first date to the Par 3 tournament on Wednesday of that year. She had never been to the golf course before, knew nothing about golf, and that was our very first date. And then that Sunday, I have to say this. I know I've told the story before, but... 
that Sunday, I was lucky enough, I had a buddy whose dad was a gallery guard, got in the tournament early on Sunday and put a chair down for me and my buddy on 18 green, pin high, literally as close to the pin position on 18 as a patron can sit on the front, on the front row on the rope. And I got to the course that day, walked around. We made it to our chairs at about 3 o'clock and sat down and watched all the groups come in and watched the scoreboard. And that was the year Tiger hit the chip on 16. And I remember hearing this eruption from down at 16, sitting on 18, thinking, oh, my God, Tiger just made a hole in one because it was a bigger roar than I've ever heard. And, of course, we had no idea what happened. And they, we saw he put, they put up a two on the scoreboard, a birdie. And we're thinking, what the heck was that? Like, what kind of roar was that for a birdie? And then that year he goes into the playoff with Chris DeMarco, and it ends right in front of my face. Right in front of my face it ends was the last time he won. And I'm thinking yesterday of all the things that have happened in my life in 14 years and how old I feel and how, like, my back hurts and I'm not flexible and I don't have any muscles and I have a spare tire around my waist and... I, my liver is probably not as conditioned as it once was. And all these things that I suck at way worse than I did in 2005. And yet Tiger Woods at 42 just won the Masters against probably the strongest leaderboard he's ever seen. He's ever been up against those first 10 to 20 names on that leaderboard. Like, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm having a hard time even reconciling right now it it really i mean yeah I, it's it's hard to even comprehend i i actually so i was married in 2005 that was the year i got married um same thing a lot of different a lot of changes all of us you know in that in that amount of time 14 years there, there's going to be some changes in your life i mean and uh you know two kids for me maybe two uh two uh tires or whatever you just said uh around my waist <laughs> and just <clears throat> I mean, here's the thing. You know, when Tiger first came out, by the way, I was there in 1997. I was on 18 when he won his first Masters. It was an incredible experience. Uh, at that time, I didn't know what to think about Tiger. And I, and I will say, I mean, after he started just winning everything, I wasn't a huge fan. You know, I kind of was like, ah, I, got, I got tired of him winning everything. But then after all that happened to him, and he became... You know, here's the thing. You know, you can say what you want about Tiger. Yes, he had the transgressions and everything else, but but he showed that he was like human. And he came back, and he's he's now won. And it, and I, I just it's just it's impossible to put into words. I mean, I can't even. I have watched that four minutes that that, that you if you if you've been on Twitter, you've seen it. The four minutes after he won are the most incredible thing I've ever seen in sports. I mean, it was just unreal. I, I, I swear I tear up every time I see him run up there, hug his kids. The pure joy that he has and those around him have is just, it's incredible. I mean, it was one of the best things I've, I've ever seen in my life. And I, I don't know. I don't think I ever, I don't think I truly believed, I don't think anybody truly believed that, that, that you would see this. And that's what the emotion was that got brought out yesterday. Um, you may have said it. You may have said it like two years ago that you're a huge Tiger truther, and you knew like you said it like you thought he was gonna, he would win a major again. But did you truly believe it? I, I don't know if you did after what you saw after you know, through the the hard times for him, and and to see that yesterday, 
in the greatest stage of them all, the best tournament of them all. It was just unreal, and this is what you get. With This is why this tournament is so special to me and so special to a lot of people because it just always seems to bring this out and like no other tournament does. And if you are not a golfer and you just play, listen to us maybe for DFS and whatever else, if you weren't moved by yesterday and what happened to, 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 to the game of golf or to sports in general, I, I don't know how, I don't know what else is going to move you because that should have. I mean, even just thinking about his demeanor after he's won a golf tournament, all the 81 or the 80 other tournaments he's won, the 14 other majors he's won, it was so different. I mean, he was like so, you said, you said joy, you said joyful, like, and that's, it was like exuberant, uncontrollable, pure, raw joy, like validation, redemption, um, I mean, it was it was a lot of things that I don't know that we've fully seen Tiger display when he wins. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I, you're right. Like, I don't know. It's it is something that we all kind of thought could happen again, but I don't know that we never. I don't th- think we we never let ourselves fully believe it was going to happen. You know, you never fully believe, especially at Augusta. Like, it's one thing. It's one thing at the PGA Championship, but at Augusta for it to happen again is just, it's ridiculous. It, it, against the competition that he was up against, it was unreal. And we could talk about, you know, we could talk about a lot of things. Um, it was just an amazing, it was an amazing week. Just all and the scenarios that could have taken place yesterday, too. I mean, just so many people got into the tournament. I mean, like DJ is not even in there, and then all of a sudden he yeah. reels off like four straight birdies, yeah. you know, has a chance to go to 13 under on, on 18. Kepka has the same thing happen after <laughs> going in the water in 12. You got the, I mean, the water on 12. I mean, what the hell? I, I was, I don't know if I saw a single ball go in the water on 12. I'm sure it did, but I never saw it during the coverage. Maybe I just wasn't watching at the times that they, they, they may have shown one. And then all of a sudden the last two groups get to the freaking 12th hole. And four balls go in the water, and also four out of Ray those. Ray Ray's Creek was was in full effect. He was Ray in, Ray's Creek was it, yeah. yeah. He was working. It. He was working it. But that's four guys that took that went after that pin. You know, Jack Nicholas always said, "You hit it to the middle of that green. You go over that bunker, hit it to the middle of the green. You don't test that right pin location." And four guys tested it and lost. They, they got they got beat out by by old uh, number twelve and Ray Race Creek. Tiger did exactly what he was supposed to do. Took it right over that sand trap um, because look, even if he misses it short, he's in the trap at least. Um, and it stops the ball. Yeah. So it just uh, it was it was incredible. Um, but I, I don't know. You know, even he said he in, in the in Butler cabin and. In some of the, in the press conference, he, he was at a loss for words, and I was too. That was just an incredible day. Uh, we will not probably ever see anything like that uh, for a, a long, long time. Um, just unreal. I, I was. I don't even know if you were even alive when when Nicholas won in '86, but I was. I was around, and that I was, was that was really probably the first Masters that I fell in love with the tournament. Uh, 
and then the first one where I was at was was Freddie Couples actually. Well, I've been I was at there when Nicholas won, and I was at there when Larry Mize won the following year. But the first one I was sort of uh, really involved with was was uh, being on eighteen when when Couples won, and everybody's yelling Freddie, Freddie, just like they were yelling Tiger yesterday. But you know that those, those all I, I don't know. I, I, Nicholas is probably the closest thing, obviously, but I don't know if anything would have compared to yesterday. Yeah, I was two years old in '86 when Phil won. Um, Phil, and I mean when 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 Jack won. <laughs> sorry, when Jack won. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing, man. It was quite quite a week. We thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. There's so many Masters takes, and you can listen to a bunch of different podcasts. It'll probably do a better job of talking about it than we will. So I don't want to I don't want to hammer it too hard. We move on. A lot of our listeners are ready for. You know DFS and ready for for gambling and ready to, to keep this 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 train moving, um, but I, it's our show too. You know, like we do it for y'all, but we do it for us too. And and this is just it's um, it's amazing to talk through and, and really um, kind of decompress with with you about it. I mean, you and I didn't really get to talk to each other a whole lot on Saturday and Sunday, um, so we haven't really like debriefed about it um, no not at all yeah. and, and you know what and, and, and I, you know sorry to interrupt here but I think this is something I've thought about from really the time this happened yesterday and whatever else is that um, you know listeners and all, all, you know you and I can't forget and anybody else who's listening to us can't forget that that David and I started this show for me at least and I know I'm pretty sure it was for you as because of a passion for golf and the game of golf, it, it wasn't necessarily yeah. DFS. I mean, yes, DFS was something we liked talking about, and, and you know, we had the water cooler talks, and that was kind of what brought about the show. But the passion for golf is really where it starts. I mean, that that yeah. was that was that's everything to me. That that is why I do this show. That's why I love doing this show. Yeah, I want to I want to make good picks, and and I want you know people to win money at DFS. But you know. I don't ever want to lose sight of the fact that how much just golf means to me and golf has me- meant to me in my, my life. And um, it's special to me. And yesterday was, was a part of that. And it, it's a part of it's It's going to be a part of that for me forever. And I think that's what people need to know is, is that when we do the show, it is, it is, there, there's a lot of passion behind it. There's a lot of passion behind the game of golf itself. Yesterday was a huge day for golf um not not just dfs and whatever else and to me that's that's important to talk about and and, you know you know what i mean 100 percent. i mean that that is so true like we we have loved golf long before there was fantasy golf or anything like this and you know i i I talk about him a lot but my little boy he's eight years old collins he you know I, i would say like he loves golf and he does but I saw him this week, like, really get the bug watching. I mean, the boy has been putting on the carpet. He's been putting on the kitchen floor. We were at the pool, and he put a towel out on the concrete outside of the pool so they could roll a golf ball on a towel to a cup. I mean, he's just literally been bitten. And I thought to myself yesterday, like, as I'm watching, as I'm, 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 I'm watching Tiger do this with him, and he was pulling for Tiger, and he was kind of funny pulling against Francesco. You know how eight-year-olds are. <laughs> yeah. like, it, it, it gets real personal real quick. He's like, forget you, you sorry, Francesco. I'm like, well, okay, hold on. Like, Francesco's a good dude. You know, like, we're not, we're not mad at Francesco. But, like, he, he got so 
like passionate about rooting against Francesco in the beginning. Did, then, did he, did he yeah. say that like you bear a resemblance to Francesco? Because you know a lot of listeners and followers. No, of this, th- no, no, <laughs> no, and that's total. That's total BS. Don't 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 jack my point here because I'm about to get I'm about to get sentimental here. But like watching it with him at eight years old and like seeing how like and then me just feeling like an old man going like let me tell you something dude like this guy has come through so much and he's fought through so much and he was so dominant and like he is the reason that you know 70% of the players in this field are even here you know he is the reason that they are what they are right now and and like now that he's doing this is is incredible and you know he changed the game and he made the game popular again and he made the game cool and he made the game something that now like I take advantage of through tour junkies right like we take advantage of it as a result and and I I thought to myself like Collins may have been made a tour junkie yesterday like because of what Tiger does to the game and what and we all you know Tiger's been back right like Tiger has been back we saw him win we, we saw him win Eastlake he's had moments of brilliance like we've all felt like, hey, Tiger's game is back, and it has like rejuvenated golf a little bit. But yesterday, I have to imagine, brought people into the game that that were that were previously not in at all, or were previously on the fringe. And the number of, and I'm I'm using this word very, I mean, I know it sounds stupid, but tour junkies that that may have been made or birthed as a result of yesterday, just like he birthed so many decades ago you know I, I think was pretty cool to see and um and, it, and it, it it makes me really happy and I saw I saw my son like pretty amped up about it and it was just cool you know um so yeah and Francesco Monari I'm sorry does not look like me so you guys can all just stop that it really pisses me off actually um all right that's that's, that's sorry to ruin emoting. your moment there but I just couldn't I couldn't resist you know since that's enough emoting. Um, man, we had a great week. We, we had a lot of fun. I really appreciate, we both really appreciate everyone who listened to the podcast. It was, and it is every year. It's easily our most listened to show of the year. And we, we greatly appreciate all of you guys who spent two hours listening to our podcast last week. Three, if you listen to the betting preview, which is just ridiculous because there's so many good, there's so many good shows out there. So much good content out there. We really appreciate it. Um, and, and thank you guys for taking the time to listen, to read the articles that we write, to you know ch- check the emails that we do. Like, really, really appreciate it, and it means a ton to us. If you guys don't do that, it definitely takes a little wind out of our sails when we when we put a lot into a week like Masters Week, and and, and like every week. So um, we just really thank the thank the listeners, and, and thank you guys for engaging and tweeting at us and Instagram. Like, all that stuff is so great. I can't tell you how. How cool it was to be able to meet some of you. We met some of you at, at the Masters. We saw some of you wearing our shirts, which was awesome. Um, really cool. We got it. We got a chance to meet up with a handful of you, uh, and, and it was just it's it's the highlight of the year for me. Um, major shout out to our boy Michael, uh, Mike Caridi from Australia, who made the trip all the way from Australia with his boys. Uh, he's been listening to us for pr- almost since we started loyal listener he's mailed us stuff from australia uh just because he's just such a good dude got to hang out with him like that like i'm telling you man like there is there is i don't know we, we get a this is a really sappy opening to the show but we get a lot of reward for doing this but one of the greatest rewards that i think is the longest lasting because one of these days like the tour junkies is going to be lame and it's going to be not the coolest thing anymore and we're going to be done or something is something's going to happen and it was not going to be here anymore 
But like the thing that is going to be here is the relationships that we've made through the through this, like whether it's people in the industry or it's players or caddies or 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 primarily like listeners. So being able to like, like I genuinely look at Mike in the eye and he's like, dude. You need to come to Australia. I will pick you up from the airport. I will take you wherever you want to go. We will play golf. You will stay in my house, and I will show you everything you want to see. And I 100% believe him, and I 100% believe we would have a fantastic time. And, like, to know that that is available to us throughout the world because people listen to this dumb show every week is awesome. Like, that is the most rewarding thing of anything we do. And I'm reminded of it during weeks like Masters when people are coming to our hometown to see this event and we get to meet up with you guys there's just nothing cooler so like keep the tweets coming the instagrams the dms the emails of like hey i'm i'm in town or hey you guys i noticed you guys are coming or hey this that like keep it coming and we do our best to respond to every one of them but i promise you if, if we've not gotten to any of them if we've not gotten to whatever you've sent it's been an oversight it's not because of anything else so um, I just really appreciate it. I'm humbled, and it was a fantastic week. We had a listener win $200,000 on FanDuel. He won the biggest contest on FanDuel, uh, which is amazing. And he's tweeting us, and he's tagging us. He's rocking the TJ avatar at the top of FanDuel. I mean, come on. Like, that's freaking awesome. And we had a lot Incredible. of listeners with money, which is great. But $200,000, you take down the biggest prize on FanDuel for Masters Week, and you're a TJ listener? Like, damn. It was just a cool, it was a cool week. It was a very, very, very cool week. Um, and we'll, we'll get to some of the lighter sides of Masters here um, in, in, in a little bit. For the chunk and run, we're going to get to a little bit of the lighter, uh, the lighter content. But I just, man, yeah. It was just so, it was so, so good. Uh, by the way, that was Pete G at Gagliope3. I don't know what I don't know what's up with your Twitter handle, but Pete G is the one that won the FanDuel contest. Unbelievable, man! Two hundred K. Now you need to buy some merch. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, anything else, Pat? I mean, I, I want to move on. I want to be I want to be conscious of the time here and give the heritage its due. No, I I agree. It was a, it was just a fantastic week. Um, I, I personally got to spend a little more time out at the tournament than I than I have in, in years past, so that was that was really cool. Got to meet a few listeners. Uh, you know, shout out Sean in New York. Uh, he was he was he was rocking the azalea out there. Ooh, um, nice. So we we, we just kind of happened to run into each other. That was that was really cool. So um, yeah, just just an unreal week, and obviously capped off by. Yeah, the greatest thing I've ever seen in sports. So. <laughs> well, our our friends over at Elite Events and Tickets made it made it possible for a number of you guys. So we appreciate Elite Events and Tickets. We talked about them. Kevin has done a great job taking care of our listeners. So we hope you guys are taking advantage of that. Um, not only just to buy your tickets to concerts, major sporting events, hospitality, whatever it is you're doing, whether you're hosting a small group, you're taking out your spouse or you're taking on a big corporate function for anything you can think of across the U.S. Kevin at Elite Events and Tickets is our boy. Um, and But now he's also offering a franchisee package. So if you love the major sports and concert stuff, you want a little side hustle from home, you can do it in addition to your full-time job, all right? Or you can do it totally, like knock, knock it out. Low overhead, great margins, proven process and plans. We know that Kevin's been doing this over 10 years. He's a great, he does a great job. We trust him with all the stuff we do. 
but if you get into this, they're going to provide the software. They're going to provide you the support, both the training when you start and the ongoing training. And Kevin's going to give you his proven plan, like the stuff that he knows works, that he's learned through trial and error over the last 12 years f- through elite events and tickets. So if that interests you at all, there's no commitment, no obligation. If it interests you at all to hear a little bit more about the franchisee program, you can go to EliteEventsAndTicketsFranchise.com, EliteEventsAndTicketsFranchise.com, or if you just want to buy some tickets or set up some hospitality for any sporting event, any concert, go to EliteEventsAndTickets.com. So there you go. We appreciate those guys. They took care of a lot of listeners. Masters Week, and um, you guys need to take advantage of that. Pat, it is the Heritage. We are in lovely Hilton Head, right down the street. Love Hilton Head, South Carolina. Fantastic spot. It's the Harbortown uh, RBC Heritage at Harbortown Golf Links. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the golf course? It's play, been played here a lot, so we, we, we might all know, but why don't you give us a little rundown? Yeah, well, I'll be a little quick about this one, but, uh, yeah, I love this tournament at the RBC Heritage in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. Very close to me uh, in Savannah. It's uh, this is uh, it's a great track at Harbortown Golf Links. Plays just about 7,100 yards, so not very long. It's a par 71, peat dye design. Uh, you got Bermuda grass, pretty much tee to green. Um, you know, this is one of those courses where you know the fairways themselves are not exactly, you know impossible to hit they're not they're not very narrow but you've got some extreme i mean the tree lines are literally i mean they're right up against the fairway so you don't have a whole lot of room if you are going to miss the fairway which for me is going to mean i'm going to definitely look at, at, at driving accuracy because you just have those tight tree lined holes extremely small greens i mean the smallest greens on tour very difficult to hit so that's definitely going to you know bring in your ball strikers your greens and regulation uh, those type players we see guys in the past your great ball strikers uh who've won here a lot like abu weekly who's kind of making his way back on tour but he's a guy who's always been known as a, as a good ball striker um and and players like that like a kiz you know those are the ones that typically do here do well here it's target golf i mean you got to pick your spots off the tee and then you got to get get hit it on the greens here and these small greens um it's a difficult course i mean you look at the last five years or so it typically plays as one of the top 15 to 20 most difficult courses on tour um so i think that's something you want to look at as far as stats for me, I, I do think this is a, a as as you know most courses are, especially ones where you get a lot of history on it. I mean, we're going to look at course history and form, driving accuracy. I'm going to look at ball striking. Also, I may take a look at a little bit of strokes gain putting uh, recently on Bermuda because we've had a lot of Bermuda courses lately. Um, looking at past champs, uh, we had Satoshi Kadira in 2018, kind of random. Wesley Bryan in 2017, sort of random as well. Brandon Grace in 2016, Furick in 2015, and Matt Kuchar in 2014. So should be a good week. You know, this is a this is a good field. There's a lot of guys at the top of this field who did extremely well last week, like a Xander, Malinari, DJ, Cantlay's up here. I mean, Webb's in here. So it's a, it, it's a sneaky good fee, field here, and I, I think it, it's a tournament I like to watch uh, on a good classic course. So uh, you know what? Don't, don't sleep on the Heritage this week. I think it's going to be an exciting uh, tournament. 
I'm actually I'm excited about the Her- the Heritage. I think it's a great event. The players love coming here, um, and yeah, I love the Pete Dye design. I love the the accuracy kind of ball striking golf. It's uh, it's fun. I think it, it's a great week to take advantage of DFS. A great week for gambling. Satoshi Kodiara won at 250 to one last year, so. Uh, long shots can prevail. I think Wesley Bryan was around 60 or 70 to 1 when he won the year before. Um, <coughs> it's an interesting event, and, and there is a decent decent little field here to, to kick it off. So let's get to it. Let's talk pricing on DraftKings. Uh, we're going to give you th- uh, blah, 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 three GPP plays, one cash lock and a fade, 9K and above on DK. Um, and... You know, this is this is going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Obviously, you've got a full field here now. Fine, you know, unlike the Masters, where you got top seventy and ties are going to make the cut. One hundred and thirty guy, one hundred thirty-five, one hundred forty-ish, somewhere in there. One hundred thirty-five, one hundred forty-ish guys going to be in this field. Um, I am I am preferring a more balanced approach. I do think that's going to be. I'm suspecting that's going to be the more popular play. I don't think a lot of guys are going to play. Uh, the, the, the 10K and above guys. I think a lot of guys may start at Kuchar, um, but I don't think a lot of folks are going to play those top four. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but I, I'm just not. I, I think I'm going to fade the top four. I prefer a little more balanced approach, although I do see some value in the 6K. Basically what I'm saying right now is I'm kind of all over the place, but I, I, <laughs> I get it if you want to play, you know... I get it if you want to play the studs and duds because I do see some value in the 6K, but I much prefer to be a little more balanced this week and just find the leverage points in terms of ownership in that balanced price range that you can have ownership leverage. I mean, I got to think, like, I, I, let me let me just talk. like So I'll go ahead and skip. My fades in this range, I have the top three, and I know I need to pick one for the sake of tracking because we like to track our fades. But I'm fading the top three all in all. I think if I had to pick one to fade, it's Francesca. I just feel like, I don't know. He's as steady as they come. But if I'm looking for a reason, I just feel like Francesco, given the Sunday that he had, man, I mean, just what a grind he had. His ball striking wasn't great Sunday, which is why he was having to make 10-foot par putts, right? Um, yeah, wasn't great at all. Yeah, he's never done great here at the Heritage. Although he could, I mean, he could very. I mean, you know, if you ta- if you didn't look at course history, you know, I would think, oh, Francesco Monari, one of the better players in this entire field for fitting this golf course. Uh, but he, he doesn't have tremendous a, a tremendous record here, um, and you know, the greens and regulation are a little suspect. He's 84th. So so I looked at a couple things. I looked at fairways. I looked at ball, you know, ball striking from the fairway, uh, so strokes gained approach, greens and regulation, and then definitely short game around the green or uh, strokes gained around the green, and strokes gained putting on Bermuda. You're gonna miss these small Pete Dye greens, so you got to be able to get up and down. I mean, if you look at his his uh, his strokes gained putting, the last hundred rounds on Bermuda, he's 84th in the field. Not real great. Um, so if I'm gonna find a guy to fade, I'm gonna fade Francesco. But in terms of my three GPP plays that I like here, I'm going to start with Jim Furyk. I think Furyk's going to be a little bit of forgotten guy here in this in this mid-range guy. I think a lot of people are going to be playing Webb after his weekend. 
A lot of folks are going to play Kisner, Spieth, Cantlay, Kuchar. I think Fury could be a little bit forgotten. But when I look at the stats, my God, he checks every single box. Fairways, uh, strokes gained approach, strokes gained around the green, greens and regulation, all in the last 24 rounds. He's top five in all four categories. I looked at strokes gained total on Pete Dye designs, which you can do over on Fantasy National. He's, uh, he's, he's fifth in strokes gained total on Pete Dye golf courses, 18th in strokes gained putting on Bermuda. I think 9400 for Furyk is a really good value, and he's a little rested, a little bit forgotten. We forget he almost won the Players' Championship on another Pete Dye design. So I, I'm, I'm digging some Jim Furyk, and if you want those stats or you want stats like that, you need to go to fantasynational.com slash TJ, fantasynational.com slash TJ. More and more people winning tons of dollars as a result of using Fantasy National. So if you really want to dig into those Pete Dye designs, those strokes gain on Bermuda, those, you know, chipping on Bermuda, all that kind of stuff, if you want a good lineup simulator uh, or, or generator, if you want um, the best stats that you can find on the Internet for golf, fantasynational.com slash TJ is where you go. And if you use that link, you get 20% off any package weekly, monthly, or annually. 20% off any package weekly, monthly, or annually. I know a lot of you guys tried that out last week for the Masters. Um, you gotta keep, you got to keep that up on Fantasy National. Everybody who's winning big money is using Fantasy National. So when I, when I look at the, the stats, I mean, Furyk is crushing it. Not a great history the last couple years, but I love where his form's at right now. So I'm going Jim Furyk as my first GPP play. I got to go Kisner at 9,100. I mean, we know Kis. We know he loves this golf course. He's in great form. He's got a great history here. He checks every single box. Fourth in strokes game putting on Bermuda over the last 100 rounds. His ball striking is there. I think the T21 at Augusta National is a very good finish for Kisner. That's better than I would have thought for Kisner. And now he comes to a golf course that he he literally loves and believes is built for him. We all heard his interview last week. He didn't think he doesn't think Augusta National is built for him, but he thinks Harbor Town is built for him. So I can see Kisner at 9100. I was pretty shocked to see him that low. I, was I think that's an incredible value, and I don't care what the ownership projection is. I'm playing him. Don't care what it is. I'm playing him. He's also my cash play. And finally in GPPs. I'm going to go with Siwoo Kim at 9K. I played him for the Masters. He ended up paying off pretty well for the Masters as a low-owned, kind of cheap guy um, at Augusta. He checks a box in Pete Dye design. I mean, the guy loves Pete Dye. Won at the Players' Championship. Checks a box in strokes gained approach, strokes gained around the green. Um, he's an aggressive player, so you got you got to hope Siwoo can kind of calm it down a little bit off the fairway and like, just get it in the short grass. But I like the upside at 9K as well for Siwoo. So those are my three GPP plays, and Kiz is my cash lock. What you got? Wow. So, yeah, we're, we're a little similar here. Um, I will say for my cash lock, it is not Kiz, but I definitely have him as a GPP play. But I think, uh, I think Furyk is uh, a cash lock for me. I mean, love I, I, love love him as, I love him as a GPP play too, but I think uh, for cash, just I think it's just absolutely just perfect. If you and you and you mentioned the, the the history here, yes, the last two years hasn't been great, but Ryder Cup years where he was captain, just not a whole lot of focus on the game itself. He's obviously shown this year that he's his game is is a huge focus and been playing extremely well. So I think Furyk is definitely a, a cash lock there. Um, you know, you mentioned the this over ten k range. Um, 
and I get it. I mean, I'm 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 with you. By the way, Molinari is my fade this week. I think, you know, coming off of a emotional um, Masters and everything else, but you know, like you said, I mean, the stats really aren't showing that. You know, d- besides just a guy that you know can scramble well and and definitely can plot his way around the course. I, I don't know. It's just this this to me just doesn't feel like a great week for for Molinari coming off of uh, the Masters. But I, you know, I I want to play some DJ, and so I'm going to. And maybe that's just, mm. you know, I know he's the highest price guy, and and whatever else, and people don't think that bombers are are great for this course. But he has said that he likes this course. It's it's a course that he likes to play. Um, he, he's obviously a guy that I think can work the ball strategically like he wants to on this course. So. I'm okay with play, playing some DJ, and I want to. I want to look at maybe Fanshear's ownership of him. But if if everybody's talking about fading some DJ come, you know Wednesday, just because they may not think he's a course fit, we haven't seen him here at all. Really, we you know last year he was T16 as probably the highest priced guy, um, so he did underperform. I'm I'm okay with playing him in GPPs if if we get lower ownership than than I might uh, expect. But we'll see. You know, come Wednesday. Other than that, I really like Webb. I think Webb is uh, a good play in here. I mean, you got him right there with Furick. You got him there with Kisner, Fleetwood. Um, you know, could be a, maybe a good pivot play off of those guys. Uh, and obviously has great course history here. Has finished, um, you know, fifth last year, T11 the year before that. He's in good form. Um, this is a course for him. I mean, this is a, this is a good fit for him. So I think that uh, the web could be a really good GPP play as well. So for me, I'm going to go with DJ, Webb, and Kiz as my GPP plays, Furick as my cash, and Molinari as my fade. All right, let's move on to the 8K range. Um, we're going to give you two GPPs, a cash and a fade. My two GPPs, I'm going to start off Ian Poulter. $8,600. I had him for the Masters, played well, lost it a little bit on Sunday when he went to water, uh, but plays really well here at Harbortown. Last four years at Harbortown, 7th, 11th, 54th, and 18th. Um, so, you know, in great form, good history with the 12th at Augusta here, so playing well. Checks a lot of boxes. I mean, really, the, the, the worst part about his game is putting on Bermuda, but greens and regulation, strokes gain around the green, strokes gain approach. Uh, Pete Dye, accuracy, 86 hundy. I think it's a no-brainer for Ian Poulter. And then I'm going to dip down to a little Ryan Moore. I'm hoping he slips a little bit under the radar. Uh, I was tempted to go Brendan Grace here uh, as former winner, um, and I think he's still a sneaky play. But I'm going to go Ryan Moore. Man, I mean, again, checking every box. Uh, fair uh, Accuracy, Pete Dye, strokes gain approach, strokes gain around the green. Uh, greens and regulation. He's finished 16th here last year. Was the last time he's played in the last five years. We just saw him finish third at the Valero Texas Open. You know, maybe not being at the Masters, he's going to be a little bit off the radar at 8,100. I love that value for Ryan Moore. I think he's got winning upside. This is a great spot for him. I'm going to go more in cash. I think he's an easy cash play. Um, and then in terms of fades, I think Billy Ho is a clear fade here. Um, we, we've seen it for quite some time now. The ball striking has not been there. He's been saved by the putter. Uh, at Augusta, you know, he, he, he hung in there, made the cut, and then finished T56. Um, 
finished T5th here last year at Harbortown, but I don't think the ball striking was quite as good. And at $8,900, that's just a lot of, that's a lot of Quan. It's a lot of cheddar for a Billy Ho who's not really striking the ball that well on a course where you got to strike it. He is literally the last person in this range I would play. I would, I would seriously rank everyone in the 8K range on DraftKings above Billy Ho and put him dead effing last. So he is my fave. That dude, by the way, is an emotional roller coaster on the golf course when you're watching him in person. <laughs> I, I know mean, what you're referencing here. I mean, I think you and I saw some things when we were out there Thursday, but then I was out there, fr- I think it was Friday, I can't remember, it was Friday or Saturday, watching him. And that guy just, he talks to himself. He, was it 16 when you and I were, was it, yeah. you and I was 16 yeah. when he hit a bad shot and then he goes off behind the grandstands and is just like, I mean, that, he is extremely hard on himself. And I just, I don't know. I, I agree. I'm not, look, I know he's a fantastic golfer, but I can't, yeah, I, I'm with you on the fade there. Um, are you done? Is it my turn? Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. All right, so I'm surprised you didn't mention this guy, but I'll start with Poulter. I'm with you there. He is one of my GPP plays. I, I, think I, just... I did mention Poulter. I talked about him. No, I meant, no, I meant, Sorry, I didn't say that correctly. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't mention the person I'm going to mention after Poulter. Um, okay, that was confusing. Sorry, yeah. that was confusing to the listener. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I love Poulter. He is definitely one of my GPP plays this week for all your reasons that you said. But Sun J.M., I mean, this is a guy that is just week after week dominating on tour. I mean, it's like a top ten every week. I mean, he did miss a cut at the Players' Championship, but then he comes back and gets T4 at Valspar, T7, uh, you know, at the uh, at, at Punta Cana, and, uh, and then at the Valero, top 20. And it's just been fantastic every single week. And I think this is another course that he can play well. You look at ball striking, he's 12th in the field. He's 10th in greens and regulation. He's 11th in strokes gained approach. He's 12th in scrambling. I mean, this is a guy, this is a perfect another good course for him. And yes, he doesn't have any history here, but I'm okay with that because it doesn't matter. Every course he plays, he doesn't have any history on. He's still doing well. So I mean, I think you know, you talk about a balanced lineup. You want a guy that's playing well, great recent form here, great stats, all of that. 8400. I love some Sung JM, and you know what? I like him in cash also. I think he is a just a staple guy. Lock him into your lineup. He's going to be fine. He's going to make the cut. He's probably going to be contending on Sunday. So I, I think Sung, Sung J.M. is a great pick this week. And my fade is going to be a guy you've loved all year and everybody has loved, has been playing fantastic, and that's Jason Kokrak at 8,800. Mm-hmm. You know what? I just Here's the thing. Fading I, him, huh? I'm going to fade him. I think his ownership's going to be too high. Everybody loves him. I mean, he's, a DF, he's the DFS darling this year. He's the guy. He's the one. He's the Patrick Rogers maybe of uh, – of 2019 but look i mean you look I'm at sorry it, what the patrick rogers of 2019 no you remember like patrick rogers last year or the year before just no no no, no, no that is in your own small little pea brain patrick rogers has never been the dfs darling you are addicted to patrick rogers 
Okay, so maybe I'm addicted to Patrick Rogers. Either way. <laughs> I cannot believe he just said Patrick Rogers. <laughs> maybe I was thinking Patrick Maybe I was thinking Patrick Cantley. God, I'm glad I wasn't drinking anything. I would have choked. Yeah, maybe, I think you were thinking of Patrick Maybe I was Cantlay. thinking of Cantley. Cantley is a DFS darling. But anyway, <laughs> regardless of all of that, Kokrak, I think, is a fade this week. I think it's going to be extremely high-owned. Mystic- a listener just wrecked their car when you said, Patrick just slammed Sorry about the that. Median when you said Patrick. Sorry about that. Don't don't Jeez. press don't press charges on TJ. But you know, as far can I finish here? Kokrak though, like look, last two years has missed a cut. But now before that, he had a great run. He actually, you know, fourteen through sixteen when he was playing well, he did he did do well here. Well, he's playing well um, right now. But yeah, yeah. yeah I, look, here's the thing. This is a, this is. A, I'm gonna to try to make a bold call this week instead of trying to make all these chalk. We're, we're gonna we we seem to have a lot a lot of chalky plays this week, so I'm gonna go with uh, Kokrak, who will be chalk. I'm gonna fade him. Well, okay, so I missed your third GPP play. You said Poulter, Sung J M, and who? Oh no, no, you only gave me two. Okay, yeah, we're only getting two. That's right. Yeah. Your cash play was who? M Sung J M. Okay, M. All right, let's get to the seven K range. This is chalk full of some goodness. I feel like I went chalky here. We'll come. We'll we'll see what happens. Come FanshareSports.com on Wednesday night. Um, just in making the decisions here, though, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop myself. At 7,800, I think Lucas Glover is as safe a play as it gets. Um, checking basically every box except for maybe long term Pete Dye, and he's never going to check the box in putting. But he puts better on Bermuda than he puts anywhere else. I can guarantee you that. You know, made four out of his last five cuts here. You know, best finish is only an 18th, but I think he's playing as good a golf right now as he's played in a long time. Um, coming off of, you know, a 14th, a 13th, and a 10th in his last four events against stronger fields than what he's about to face right now. So I think Glover at 7,800 is chalk I'm willing to eat. And then I'm going to go Russell Knox. I don't usually play Russell Knox, <laughs> so I don't, I don't have a strong Russell Knox radar. But I like where the numbers are at. I mean, he is top 10 in Pete Dye strokes gained, strokes gained approach, greens and regulation. He's top 30 in fairways uh, in driving accuracy and strokes gained around the green. The only thing he's not great at is putting on Bermuda. But I think this is an interesting thing. You know, one thing we didn't talk about, Pat, is the weather here at Harbortown. I mean, right now, Thursday looks like it could be nice. Friday looks a little iffy. The weekend looks even more iffy. I mean, the weather is a factor. This is something that you guys need to consider, and this is why I love weeks like this for DFS. You know, on Wednesday night, you need to be looking at the weather, following us on Twitter, subscribing to the Chalk Bomb if you've not already, and and, and get some last-minute thoughts on what's going to happen because, you know, Harbortown can play really, really tough in windy conditions, and – Yes, I think Harbor Town's a little soft right now because the East Coast has seen a lot of rain this year. Um, but if if the wind picks up and you know th- this course can play really really difficult. So and I think Knox sets up good for that if that's the case at 7700. So I like Russell Knox. And then another guy who doesn't play as good in tough weather as you think, but has flashed and I think is probably maybe the least chalky play, although he's the biggest name, is Brant Snedeker. At $7,500, I'm finally going to get in on a little Brant Snedeker. Loves Bermuda, loves putting on Bermuda, chipping on Bermuda, loves Pete Dye designs. Um, $7,500 for Snedeker I think is a good play. He's got winning upside. He's an RBC boy. Uh, I, so I just think, you know, 
check FanshareSports.com before you set your lineups. If you're playing GPPs, we tell you this every single week, FanshareSports.com is where they're going to listen to all the podcasts, watch all the YouTube videos, read all the tweets, read all the articles, and say, hey, here's who everybody's talking about for this week's tournament in DFS. Here's where we think they're going to be project. You know, here's where we think they're going to be owned in GPPs. And if you're playing in GPPs or tournaments on DraftKings and you're not using that tool, you're, you're messing it up. Uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're messing it up. So you can subscribe to FanshareSports.com and get 20% off of any subscription um, with promo code TOURJUNKIES when you sign up. It's $9.95 per week, $24.95 per month, or $200 annually, and you get 20% off of those prices when you use promo code TOURJUNKIES. And again, if you're playing GPPs, trying to win tournaments on FanDuel, Fantasy Draft, or DraftKings, you got to have it. You just have to. And I think that of the three I just named, I have a slight, I don't know, I just have this hunch that Snedeker could be the lowest owned of those three. I mean, you got Russell Knox with a ton of history. He's checking more boxes. Lucas Glover, everybody loves to play right now. Uh, I mean, he's just, he hits the golf ball where he wants to. These are such small greens. You don't have to worry about him three-putting like he normally does. So he's going to hit the green. And then when he hits the green, you know, he's likely to at least two-putt. Um, I feel like Snedeker could go a little a little overlooked despite the name value there in the 7K range. And then my cash play is going to be Zach Johnson at $7,500. <laughs> you just, I just can't, feel like, you can't go with that guy. I, I mean, I just feel like he's a safe cut maker. He, he, just, he just is. He, I don't know why the history isn't great here. Um, but, I mean, he is, he is a, he's a cut maker. He's an accuracy wedge competition kind of guy. Um, so I'm going to go Zach Johnson in cash. And my fades, let me give you, well, no, no, I'll, I'll let you go ahead. Let me, let me let you do your GPPs in cash, and then I'll come back with fades. All right, so I'm with you on Lucas Glover. I think he's, he's just, I mean, again, been playing great this year. He is the, he's, he's the Boo Weekly of this field with ball striking. Um, Boo Weekly, if you don't know. What, wait a minute, what about Boo Weekly being in the field? No, if I, Lucas Glover's the Boo Weekly of the field, who's Boo Weekly? What? What are you talking Boo about? Boo Weekly is in the field. He's is, playing. Oh, he is. Oh, that's because he's yes. won here twice. But yeah. So if Lucas Glover is the Boo Weekly of the field, then what does that make Boo Weekly? Mm, the Lucas Glover of the field. So either way, <laughs> they are just great ball strikers. Uh, I'm not on Boo Weekly, by the way. But I mean, who knows? Hell, he's won here twice. But um, again, this is this is just a great course for him. South Carolina guy. Uh, went to Clemson, you know, just everything screams that this is a tournament that he can certainly win. I like him in cash as well, so he will be my cash play. Uh, I'm with you on Russell Knox. He was my other GPP play, so for all the same reasons that you said, I love that. By the way, looking at the weather, if you just want to look at Thursday and Friday, Thursday is going to be great. Actually, most of the week is going to be great. Thursday's fine, a little bit of wind, you know, maybe in that, you know, 10 mile per hour, you know, wind area. But Friday is going to be dicey and it's going to be extremely windy. You're looking at gusts in the 20 to 25 mile per hour range with some rain and everything else. So that's certainly something you're going to look at, want to, you know, take a look at on Wednesday because that could be important. I think this is, this is one of those weeks where the waves are going to be important. So, uh, you know, you want to check us out on Twitter 
and uh, everything else to make sure that you're on top of that come come uh, you know going into before lineup block on Thursday. My <coughs> um, other other GPP play is going to be Adam Schink. It's seven thousand or actually seventy one hundred. This is a guy that just week in like and week play. out is just solid as they come. Checks the box in ball striking, driving accuracy, greens and regulation, strokes gained approach. Just a, a guy that's just extremely solid. He'll probably be pretty low owned, um, but just just love him. I mean, every week I think he's just a, he's a good play. Um, you know, and he's not the normal name that I'm going to throw out. He's not. He's definitely not going to be chalky. Um, so I do like some Adam Schink at 7100. So he'll be my other GPP play. Now, do you want my fades yet, or are you gonna go with yours and then? Uh... Yeah, yeah. What's your fades? All right. So I'm gonna start off going up near the top here with our boy Justin Harding, who we saw play extremely well last week at the Masters. But I'm just not buying it yet. You know what? And I think that maybe you're going to see a little bit of ownership there. Um, so, you know, look, 104th in ball striking, 102nd in greens and regulation, 104th in strokes gained approach, doesn't check the box in scrambling. It just, I, I don't know. I think he had a great week at the Masters. Good for him. Um, but I don't want to play him at 7,900. I'm, I'm going to fade him. And then also some Rafa Cabrera Bello as well at 7,600. Another guy that's not really checking any boxes hmm. for me. You look at tournament history, the only time he ever played here, he missed the cut. Don't like that. You know, he's been, you know, decent form. He finished T36 at the Masters, but guess what? Everybody made the cut at the Masters, and everybody finished up there somewhere. Uh, but I don't know. Just not a big fan of Rafa. I think he's going to be high owned. I'm going to fade that ownership. Um, so there you go. Two fades this week for me. By the way, I like your Brant Snedeker pick. Even though he pissed me off at the Masters, I still like it. <laughs> uh, my fades are going to be Luke Donald. I feel like I've got to address Luke Donald. Okay with the that one. Course, I'm okay with that. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the course horse of them all with just ungodly course history here with uh, three second-place finishes in the last five years, a 15th and a miscut last year in 2018. Now, he did flash just a touch of form um, at the Valspar, finishing ninth, followed that up with another miscut. But I just, I mean, just odds are this is golf. I'm not buying it. Um, But I'm going to give you a fade at 7,900 that I really like a lot. I had a lot on him for Masters, and he disappointed me. Cam Smith at $7,900. He's he's played here. This is his fourth time around here. His best finish was his first time out in 2015, where he finished 15th place. But if you look at Cam at the Masters, uh, he hit 57% of his greens, which is less than the field average of 64% at the Masters, Uh, including he only hit 9 of 18 greens in round 3 and 8 of 18 greens in round 4. So he really crapped the bed over the weekend. Fairways hit. He hit 54% of his fairway versus 68% for the rest of the field. On the weekend, so it seems like the ball striking just left Augusta on uh, Saturday and Sunday. On round three at Augusta National, he hit five of 14 greens in regulation. I mean, I'm sorry, fairways. That's really hard to do at Augusta National, to hit five fairways at Augusta National. And then in round four, he hit six fairways at Augusta National. That is really hard to do, people. 
the fairways at Augusta National are way more generous than what he's about to see at, at, at Harbortown. Now, he may hit less drivers, but I just don't love where the ball striking's at for Cam Smith and the price at 7900 I am out on him and Luke Donald. Let's button it up with the 6K range. There's a lot of guys down here, and I feel like making a decision is tough. Right now, I'll tell you one guy that I, I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling uh, who popped a little bit at the Masters, and that's Patton Kazire. He's a Southern boy, loves him some Bermuda grass. He's a $6,700, great putter on Bermuda. Um, and when you look at his numbers, greens and regulation, he was at 67% Masters uh, at Augusta National and, seven, and hit 71% of his fairways at Augusta National. Um, he's played here. This will be his fourth year. Had a 14th place finish in 2016, 32nd and 17, and missed the cut last year. But I like the value at 6,700, the confidence. He's probably, you know, he's got to be in decent form to play like he did at Augusta National. So at 6,700, I feel like he's kind of a forgotten man down there. Um, so I'll take a little Pat and Kazire. And then other than that, I mean, I've got my eye on a few boys. But if I had to nail one down right now, I think I might lean a little bit. I'm going to have a little bit of exposure at $6,600 to Ryan Armour at $6,600. Checks the box in driving accuracy. Very accurate. Good scrambler. Um, I just think he's interesting at 66 as a low-owned option. Okay, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. This is one of those weeks like we had, we saw like Kadara and then like a you know Wesley Bryan win the year before that. Who I, I don't I don't know what their their exact prices were, but I think there's some guys in here that you can look at. Um, for me, a couple and I and I see you know I, I, I like some Kazire. I think that's a good pick. Uh, I think Scott Stallings at 6800 is is a good play. He's a he's a good ball striker. Um, you know, checks the box in greens and regulation, you know, strokes gained approach. Um, has played well this year. We've seen some, you know, good good finishes from him. I like that. I believe we talked to him. Didn't we, didn't we do our interview with him, like, right before this tournament last year? And he talked about how much he did, he did like um, the I course. And I, I could be Maybe. wrong. I could be wrong, but that just pops into my head. Now he did finish T55 last year after – not having played here in a while, but I, I, th- I like some Scott Stallings. Also, Brian Stewart at 6,700, a guy who's made the last four cuts that he's been here, uh, finishing top five, by the way, in 2014, but also a guy that's, you know, playing relatively well lately. I mean, he's kind of been up and down, but he had a T4 at the, at, at the Valero Texas Open. He was top 20 at the Valspar, another kind of tough sort of course that where you've got to, you know, be a good ball striker and, and you've got to hit fairways and greens. So I think that's something that you could look at. And then and then Stewart as well, um, you know, just just looking at just looking at the stats, I mean, you know, hitting fairways, he's 14th in the field and fairways gained. He's uh, 39th in greens and regulation, 19th in strokes gained approach. He's 11th in proximity. A guy that just, I mean, plods his way around a golf tournament or a golf course. I, I think Brian Stewart's going to be a super low-owned. I mean, look, this is a guy I've probably never even said in my life. But he's checking Yeah, some, I'm pretty sure you haven't. But he's checking some boxes for me. So I think he could he could be a you know really good low-owned play at that 6,700 range. So there you go. 
All right, Pat. Does that does that button us up for the uh, for the heritage? Are we ready to move on to the chunk and run segment and the one and done of the uh, of the night here? Yeah, I think we're we're good there. By the way, props to you for the one and done. You took Tiger. Um, fantastic, fantastic there. I took uh, Justin Thomas. Finished T twelfth. So yeah, I'm I'm basically I'm basically way behind. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, finally got got a winner there. Finally, at least I can't say I'm not going to get scott with not picking a winner. Um, yeah, but I still we we look. You and I just suck at one and done. But at least if you listened to me last week, you got one. Thank you're welcome. Yeah. Um, all right, I am going to make this short and sweet. I'm taking Kisner. Uh, just love the fact that how much he loves this golf course. Um, fits sets up great for him in great form. No reason not to take him. I, I need I need the kids to come through for me. I like that. Um, I'm going to go with Webb Simpson. I think that uh, okay. I, I like him this week. I think he might be okay. kind of a little bit lower owned. And uh, I think he'll look good in that tartan – is it the tartan jacket uh, that, they, that they give those guys on uh, Sunday. And uh, I, just, I just picture it in my head. He's going to be wearing that. So we'll go with Webb. Okay. All right, uh, Chunk and Run segment of the night. Don't forget, we need you guys to email in Chunk and Run questions, okay? If you want this segment to stay around, which maybe you don't, uh, if you want this segment to stick around, we need more Chunk and Run submissions. You can you can submit them on our website. If you go to tourjunkies.com, there's a contact us form that you can fill out and submit a Chunk and Run question, or you can just straight up email us, info at tourjunkies.com, info at tourjunkies.com. The chunk question has to be about anything related to golf, DFS golf, fantasy golf, betting golf, playing golf, watching golf, golf thoughts, golf pontificating, anything golf. And then the run portion is about anything else, absolutely anything else. Uh, wide open for you there. Me and Pat gave you a couple really good app ideas last last week if you didn't check that out. Um, but th- the first question of the night, the chunk question, is your thoughts on some of the fashion choices at the Masters this year. Now, this was a hot topic on some on some Twitter that I saw. Um, obviously, the biggest the biggest topic was Tiger bringing back the mock turtleneck, which he was wearing in 05 the last time he won. But he wore a mock turtleneck all four rounds of the golf tournament. Nike, are they attempting to bring back the mock? And Pat, I mean, what do you think about it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not something I would wear. On the golf course, I mean, I, I get it though. I well, feel did like you it, wear it in 05? Did you wear it in 05? No, I did not. I'd see. I had I had a red, a red Nike mock turtleneck, exactly like the one he wore in 05. I had one, and I wore it with black pants all the time. No, it's just it wasn't. I don't know. I don't like things that like crowd in my neck. I feel like that's like. <laughs> I knew I knew that you were gonna say that. I mean, You're like so so weird about it. Yeah, it's just too um, much stuff up there around the neck. I need some looseness around the the neck area. Some looseness. What about what do you think is worse, or what are you more likely to wear, the mock turtleneck or the blade collar Nike shirts? I guess the blade collar. I think I'm more. I think I'm more in with the blade collar as well. I'm not. I'm not interested in the mock coming back. No, I'm, I'm not either. Not. I think I'm in on the blade. I'm out on the mock. But I was excited about this. 
Oh, Adam Scott, bring him back the pleats. Good God Almighty. <laughs> that was that was awful. Like that was seriously bad. If that, that Adam Scott enough. can rock some pleats, I don't know who can't. It's the great. Of I mean, all the people that 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 should. Of all the people on the PJ tour to validate the pleated pants, baggy ass, jinko looking pants look, Adam Scott is literally, in my opinion, the worst. In your opinion, probably the best person to have done that. Like that is a move that your boy Brian Stewart, who you just mentioned, like Brian Stewart, is the guy who wears the Jinko baggy fitting pleated pants. That is a Brian Stewart move. That is not an Adam Scott move. I don't understand it. I do not endorse. Do not condone. Stay away from the from the baggy oversized pleated pants. I just I don't know. We'll see. I will say this. I've you know over the years since we've been doing tour junkies and now you know I've I've kind of gone away from the pleated pants. I don't I don't really wear pleats all that much anymore. But thank God. Maybe Adam Scott's going to bring me back to him. Maybe he's going to get me back there. They're comfortable. You know, one of the first times I ever remember playing golf with Pat right after Tour Junkie started, and I made fun of him a lot for the pleated pants. We were on the golf course. He's wearing pleated shorts. And he said, hey, where do you buy shorts that aren't pleated? <laughs> I'm like, the interwebs, Pat. Let me help you out, dog. Um, yeah, there was that. There was now Brooks Brooks Kepka's hat selection the first couple days. I think you disagreed with. I loved Awful. it. Awful. Thought it looked great. Terrible. Terrible. Um, I will say that the Nike shirts with that little stripe on the chest almost looked like they were wearing a name tag. Like, hi, my name is Rory. Hi, my name is Brooks. Kind of name tag there. But I like the shirts. I, I would rock the shirts and the hats. I'm all in on the hat for Brooks there. Um, we saw we saw we saw a gallery guard on 16 on Thursday tell a patron to turn his hat around who had it on backwards. That was, uh, which that by was way, awesome. That was awesome. I thought it was interesting that Tiger didn't tell his son to turn his hat around cuz like even though I'm okay with the hat turned around backwards like Augusta's kind of not you know you're not going to walk on that property wearing a hat and have it backwards as as we all know they told Ricky a while you know a few years ago. I'm a little surprised Tiger didn't tell his little boy to turn it around. At that moment, I don't think it really mattered all that much. But. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of fashion, you had a, a lot of chewing gum discussion between Brooke, uh, between Phil and Tiger, which is dumb. We did see Phil Mickelson uh, take a little lick off a of CBD oil straw, which I thought was pretty exciting. Um, no telling what that was about, but that that could be the latest fad on a municipal course near you is licking a little. And his awesome tweet, the 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 best. Oh, the tweet tweet was so good. God, that was was so so good. good. Yes, that he was only gonna like they're not gonna have any side action because he would only receive points here, zero six percent or whatever. I can't believe. Like, I would love to hear what Kuchar said to him on the first time he saw him on the on the like driving range that night like or that that day like hey man because you know like before phil parked his car that tweet was viral and had gone out to kuchar and like yeah was kuchar just like hey man can you not throw my ass under the bus on the way in here next time <laughs> i mean that that was awesome that was, that was awesome. great i will say he's a fade in my book for the heritage but i think one of the better dressed guys of the week was cam smith i love 
the original Penguin line that he was rocking. Big fan of original Penguin. That's a cool, cool brand. Kind of a throwback brand. And I Cam like Smith that. Cool. Don't like the hat. I hate his little <laughs> flat bill. Whatever. <laughs> I also liked Ricky's camo stuff. I like the camo thing. I like the camo look. I like that look a lot. I thought that was pretty good. Um, all right, that's the chunk question of the night. The run question. We're going to end with this. How did you come up? This is from regular chunk and run uh, question submitter guy. Mr. Regular Chunk and Run, question submitter guy. Uh, uh, Ky- <laughs> Kyle, our, our boy Kyle Sinningy. 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 I still don't know how to pronounce his name. Kyle's good at this. He says, How did you come up with the TJ avatar and what is the meaning behind it? I thought we'd throw this question in this week, Pat. Uh, you know, maybe we got some new listeners. Well, we did get a lot of new listeners last week. Maybe they've bled over into this week, and they're thinking, what the hell is this animal that you have as your logo? And what's it all about? So I felt like we should maybe take this opportunity to enlighten those listeners, confirm maybe what current listeners believe. We do see this as rather tribal knowledge. We don't make this very public. You know, we don't we don't really tweet about it. We don't put it on our website. It's kind of tribal knowledge. You know about it if you know about it. If you don't know about it, you need to get to know about it, right? But we knew when we started the Tour Junkies brand that we wanted a mascot. We wanted a logo. We wanted an icon. We wanted a mascot. We wanted it to represent us. And what you know about the Tour Junkies podcast, maybe not this episode, but a lot of episodes, is we love golf and we respect the game. But we also love to have some fun, and we like to make it a little irreverent. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We don't want you to take it too seriously, and we want to have a good time with the show. We want it to be informative. We want it to be fun, and we wanted our mascot to represent said thing. But we also want our, our mascot to represent golf, and so we took our mascot from the saying, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. Now, Pat, we have asked hundreds of people what does what does this mascot look like to you? And and of the hundreds, none of them uh, have ever said it's a squirrel. Uh, I mean, what what are all the name? What are all the animals that we've gotten when people feast their eyes on 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 Golby? Oh God! And like you said, it's been it is probably been hundreds from players to fans to whatever else. And it is uh, we get gopher a lot. Um, we get groundhog. We get donkey. I think we've gotten that. Yeah, we've had donkey, which yeah, we've is had crazy. Bear. We've yeah, we've had. Um, God, Monkey. we've had, yeah, we've had so many different things. It's incredible. But squirrel yeah. is usually not what we get. Um, yeah, beaver. So, we get yeah, beaver. Beaver a yeah, lot. Yeah, beaver a lot. Yeah, chipmunk. We get chipmunk. Mm-hmm. Um, we've literally gotten everything but squirrel, and now it's like a running joke of ours. In between those that helped us design uh, Golby, but it is it is in fact a blind squirrel, and it is it is a lot like golf, and it is a lot like gambling, and it is a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, and every now and then, if you're a golfer, especially not a professional, you're gonna hit one good shot, maybe a few per round that keep you coming back. And it's like every now and then you find the nut, right? You time it right, you flip it at the right moment, and it keeps you coming back. Every now and then in DFS, in gambling, you hit it, right? And it keeps you coming back. And that's kind of what the that's kind of what the mascot represented. And then we named him Golby. We need we knew that he needed a name. And Pat, why don't you wrap us up and tell us why his name 
is Golby and what that represents. Yeah, so so Bob Golby uh, won the Masters, and you probably know the year, but I, I don't. I do 1968. Not, 1968 won the Masters, uh, and he won it by basically he uh, he he really had lost, um, but Roberto. No, Di- he had lost. He was tied. Well, he was tied with Re- with Roberto. What Di Defin- Vincenzo? How do you say his name? Last yeah. name? Whatever. He signed Di- an Di Vincenzo. Yeah. Signed an incorrect scorecard, which then gave the victory to Bob Golby. And so basically, you know, there was a little bit of luck involved with him winning that Masters. And uh, and so it was kind of the perfect name, you know, a guy that sort of uh, you know is like the like the blind squirrel finding a nut. Uh, he got lucky, and uh, even though he had played extremely well that week, uh, he got the Masters victory, and so it was perfect for us when you come when you, it comes kind of f- full circle. You got you know the luck factor, you got the Augusta factor, everything else. Bob Golby, I kind of think is 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 maybe a guy that was. Uh, Similar to you and I in personality, maybe you know, just uh, a, a a good guy like to have fun. Um, so that's that's really. I mean, he really he was the inspiration behind the name, and uh, so there you go. That's that's where uh, Golby comes from. Yeah, Golby known to be quite the character, um, quite the character back in the day. Also known to have a mean snap hook when he got out of sync, which. We just loved. So, yeah, Bob Golby, right here in our hometown of Augusta where we were formed, where Tour Junkies was formed. So it was just a fitting name for, for our blind squirrel. So there you go. There's a little history. It's tribal knowledge. We don't usually share that very often. So, uh, you know, f- consider yourself privileged like Pat in his gated community. And um, <laughs> we appreciate you guys listening to the Tour Junkies podcast. Really appreciate all the Masters love. It was fantastic. Hope you guys have a great week for the Heritage. May your screens be green. See ya!